0: You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston.
1: Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us. We're on the Clear Creek Resources podcast today. My name is Tanner Smith. Uh, I'm the host. I'm joined by my friends, Aaron Lutz, who's our East 96 campus pastor, Kyle Mikulin, who's one of our student directors. Both these guys do an incredible job of studying and sharing the the word on our teaching team. So today we're kind of just doing a deep dive uh, on one of the sermons from the book of James. Over the summer, we've been taking uh, the time to just study through the book together as a church. And then now with these podcasts, we're taking a closer look sort of at each sermon. So first of all, thank you guys so much
0: for joining. Yeah, man, I'm excited to be on the podcast. I am too. It's
1: awesome. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. So before we start, this is the second sermon in the series. It was called, what's the title of this sermon? So Seeing Clearly was the title. Clearly, amazing. And the passage is James 12 through 18. So we're going to just start off by actually reading through the text. Kyle, would you do
2: that for us? Read verses 2 and 3 and then 12 through 18. Yep, I can do that. Uh, it says this count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures.
1: Amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, it's a really rich text. I'm excited to get into it today. So um, I guess let's just start with this kind of big picture, main idea for for you guys preaching this sermon. What was the one thing that you hoped people walked away with, kind of the main idea people walked away with from the day?
0: So the main idea is that we're still in the context of pain and trials, right? Mm. James starts this whole thing, like Kyle just read, with uh, if you encounter various trials. So just knowing the context, uh, mm. the, the main idea is that when we're in pain, we don't see the world clearly. Yeah. And James acknowledges that. He said, when you're in pain, you start to blame God or blame others for your sin. And mm. so we need someone to help us see what we can't see. And the illustration we use is when pain is right here. Yeah. When it's so close, you can't see the world clearly. We need, help when, we need someone to help us see that clearly, yeah. see God clearly, Mm -hmm. see ourselves clearly. And so, kind of the main thrust is God is perfectly sinless where man is utterly sinful. Mm. And anything good in us is not because of our own goodness. We're not good. God is good. Anything good in us is because of God's undeserved goodness towards you in Christ. That's the main idea. That's good. You you mentioned that illustration. So for those that are listening, talk about that just for a second. So I started the sermon and we're going to preach similar sermons at different campuses, but I started the sermon with an illustration about nearsightedness. So I wear contacts when my contacts aren't in. I can see things up close, but I can't see things far away. Yeah. And so I tell people like, just humor me for a second, put your hand right here close to your face. Yeah. And you can see really clearly your hand. You can see all the lines in your hand, the calluses on your hand, but anything past that gets Mm. really blurry. Yeah, that's good. And so I use that as an illustration to talk about pain. When when pain is right here in our face, we can't see the world clearly. We can only focus on one distance at a time. And so I can see my pain, but I can't see the world. And so, uh, when pain's not there, you can see the world very clearly. Right. Mm-hmm. But when pain's in your life, you have to have someone help you see, uh, what you can't see. And that's so great. that's not just a Christian friend. We're going to talk about this. It's the, it's God's word. It's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. the truth of God's word that, that tells us who God is and who we are. And Love the midst of our pain. our It's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. Good.
1: Great. Well, let's, let's do this. So Let's just nerd out
0: for a second. Yeah, so let's get, that's this podcast. Yeah, this that's is the podcast for it. You, uh-huh. know, you know
1: who you are listening <laughs> to this podcast. Um, yeah, no, so biblical theology is kind of a, what we use to describe this, yeah. the big picture of the Bible, the the narrative story arc of the scriptures that kind of has Jesus at the center of it, right? So where does the book of James fit into that? Where does this text and even kind of where you have gone with this sermon, where does it fit into that? biblically theological uh, picture of the story of redemption.
0: Yeah. I'll start and then you yeah. jump in. Um, so James is probably the earliest New Testament letter. Uh, so we talked about this last week on the podcast. James is Jesus' half-brother, right? Mm-hmm. Mary and Joseph are his, uh, his mother and father. Um, and James dies in 62 A.D., and so we know that this had to be written before then, but historians would say this is probably written even in the mid to early forties, because okay. something happens in 48, 49, kind of this apostolic council. They make some decisions about the church. James would have addressed that in his letter yeah. if yeah. that had happened before then. Hmm. And so if you think about that, if he's writing this in 40 or 45 AD, Jesus dies in 30 or 33 AD. I mean, we're talking within 10 to 15 years of Jesus' life, wow. death, and his resurrection. That's mm-hmm. wild. This is super early. And yeah. so there's kind of a timeline of where this letter falls. And so really any other New Testament letter, Paul's letters, Peter's letters are all writing in response to some things that James has already established in the church. Hmm. So that's pretty cool as far as where it falls in the timeline. But concerning God's big story, Kyle, where do you see this falling in, in biblical theology?
2: Yeah. So James picks up so much of what like the biblical narrative is already kind of Flesh out especially in this text that we 're looking yeah. at this this idea of testing and trial yeah. uh, like we 've seen god 's people go through seasons of this from the beginning from the very first chapters, Genesis yeah. one right. two and three, like God testing his people, putting in front of them a choice in order to give them the ability to choose what it is that they're going to do. Are they going to be faithful to God, or are they going to fall into sin, do what's right in their own eyes? You yeah. see that all throughout the the, the biblical narrative. Um, the nation of Israel is another perfect example. Always, there's kind of this, this test or this trial. Yeah. And then James steps into our life, and he's like, you too have this, this choice, that you're going to encounter trials um, at different times throughout your life where you can— remain steadfast yeah. or you can waver in the midst of that. And mm-hmm. so uh, James then does something really masterful at the end as he's pointing to Jesus, right? Yeah. Like he points to the ultimate, the best test taker, the one who passes every test, the one who endured the greatest trial. And he did that for our half. So I was like, I feel like I'm a pretty bad test taker at times. <laughs> and it's like, well, I have that perfect test taker. Yeah in the person of Jesus. And so that's who we look to. That's the person that we put our hope in. And so James is really just kind of grabbing those biblical themes, the, that, yeah. that storyline, and pulling it here in a really practical and helpful yeah. way yeah. within that's our amazing.
1: context. That's amazing. I want a perspective he had too, mm-hmm. you know, being right. that brother being Jesus that and seeing yeah. him go through all that.
0: As I think about biblical theology, we use kind of four parts of the story, right? Creation, fall, yep. redemption, restoration. Yeah. And what's unique about this text is all four are there. So mm. he's going to talk about uh, God as the father of lights. That's yeah. a direct correlation to God as a creator, creator yeah. right? The, the lights of sun and moon, stars, the way they understood that. Uh, and then you have the fault. We're talking about sin in this text. Mm. Like Kyle said, we talk about redemption and Jesus being the ultimate test taker, if you will. But there's a restoration part of this too. He, yeah. he talks about the first fruits of creatures. Mm. Like uh, we're this this foretaste of the kingdom that is to come. Yeah. when there mm. is no more pain. There is no more uh, f- tears and right. you know, cancer and blurred yeah. vision the way we talk mm. about. About this yeah. and so he's really looking forward to restoration in this text. So it really kind of hits all four parts wow. of that story. Yeah.
1: We were just talking earlier too before we started before we hit record, like the 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 knowledge that James has, the way he's actually laid out the book of James is kind of genius, you yeah. know. And it's really through taking a closer look at this that we can see that. But it's just beautifully written, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, cool. So let's, let's continue sort of on the, on the nerd thread for just a second. Let's, so we talked about biblical theology, but let's take a second just to talk about systematic theology. Slight difference, right? Explain just really quickly the difference in biblical theology and systematic theology.
0: Yes. Biblical theology is kind of the narrative arc. Systematic says, let's take a doctrine, a specific thing, and let's find all the scriptures in the Bible that reference that specific theme or topic. So that's the difference. So
1: so let's do that. So even just specifically with this text in, in James, and we're talking again about chapter one, verses 12 through 18. So with this little text, are there specific doctrines or are there specific systematic theological presences here in this
0: text? I think there's some significant ones, and so uh, I think the text is kind of broken up into two significant parts, 13 through 15, and then 16 through 18, so if you're listening to this podcast, go back and look at the text, but (laughs) verses 13 through 15 is... uh, the study of hermartiology is the theological word. It's the study of sin. Okay. So what does the Bible, what does the whole Bible say about the nature of sin? Well, in James one, he's going to say, man is responsible for sin. Mm. So there's this pattern of how sin works in the Bible. And we talk about that in the sermon, uh, that there's kind of this movement from uh, deception to desire, from desire to disobedience, from disobedience to death. Now we see that same exact pattern in Genesis three. And wow. so I try and take people through that. That's what's happening with Adam and Eve as well. And so when it comes to her the study of sin, James keys in on something that he's seen throughout the, the history of the Bible. Yeah. Um, in verses 16 through 18, the other doctrine that I saw in there was the immutability of God. Again, that's a, yeah. a big theology word, but it's just the unchanging right. nature of God. Yeah. God does not change because if someone changes, that means they're either changing for the better mm-hmm. or for the worse. Mm. And so God can't get worse. He's <laughs> perfectly good. Yeah. And so he can't get better. Better because you can't, you know, improve on it. Improve improve yeah. yeah. Perfection. Right. And so his character doesn't change, his purpose doesn't change, his uh promises don't change. And and in some sense that should be really comforting for mm, us. Totally. Yeah. That means that like I can expect God to be stable and yeah. steady and I mean this text talks about in the, the the context about steadfastness. Mm. God is calling us to be similar to his character and yeah. being steadfast. Mm. And so You know, the psalmist says in in 102, uh, you are the same and your years will have no end. Talking about God, you're the same. And we see that in James uh, 1 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the two I've That's good. There's a a lot. And
2: you hit hit some big ones. I think the one that jumped out to me was just this concept of perseverance, Mm -hmm. right? That the thing that God started in me... Yeah. he will bring to completion. Yeah, so right. Aaron brought up the first fruits concept that yeah. we're just a foretaste of that, that he yeah. he, he started the work and he's going to carry it through. This trial is not going to have its ultimate win over my life. Yeah. And so uh, God's going to continue to grow me and shape me and even use the brokenness in me to to produce that growth and to, to bring me through. And so that's yeah. just hope in the midst of our right. suffering is that we have that promise. Yeah. That's so,
1: super helpful. Yeah. That's amazing. So this is, a, again, a really rich text. We've already, you've brought out all of these incredible um, concepts mm-hmm. and uh, systematic theology, biblical theology. We see just beauty throughout even just yeah. this small section. So when you're writing a sermon for something like that, and you've mm-hmm. got 30 to 35 minutes, and you need yeah. to like follow one kind of train of thought, and you don't want to overwhelm people, come on, let's get into it a little bit. Like what stuff gets cut and what stuff that's hard for you to cut because you're like, man, this is really important. Yeah. So one of the reasons for this podcast is for us to kind of dig into some of that stuff. People, if you, listen, if you haven't yet listened to or or were, weren't at church on Sunday, then check out the podcast, listen to this sermon so that you can, first of all, get that context. But let's kind of go outside of what made
0: it into the sermon, the, uh, the deleted scene, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, even let's just talk about preaching versus teaching for a second, because okay. I could go up on a stage and be a walking commentary. Like, yeah. I can go walk you through all these really cool, nuanced things. That's not helpful in the preaching context, because preaching is about moving people to life change, Yeah. right? So it's not just teaching, it's preaching. Okay. And so because of that, there are things that get cut every time. It's like, man, I for would sure. love to talk about this, but it doesn't fit helping people apply this text to their life. Yeah. So uh, one of the ones I cut uh, as I was kind of studying through this text is, um, so again, the context is trials, right? The whole, the whole passage in James one is about trials. And James says that trials are intended to test our faith Mm -hmm. and that testing comes from God. But the same Greek word for testing is the same Greek word for tempting. And so when then it says, but God doesn't tempt you. Wow. So where in that does James stop using the word test and start using the word tempt? And so, and the commentators would say, well, James is using it as a wordplay. I know those things feel similar when you're being tested and when you're being tempted, but you should know testing is a good thing because it produces in you Steadfastness and character, yeah. and it leads to life the way yeah. God intends. But temptation is not from God, wow. because God cannot be; uh, He's not evil. He doesn't tempt us with evil. He cannot, will not, and has never tempted people with evil. Hmm. And so the the wordplay is intentional on James's yeah. part yeah. uh, to get us thinking that direction, even though it feels the same. It's not the same. Wow, that's yeah. that's one that I, I actually did not know that. Yeah. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, that was the same thing. That the same thing for me. Like I had that in, I look, looking into that, and and really this idea of testing and trial is something also that I, like, I would have loved, like the biblical theology of it all, I would have loved yeah. to do- dove in deeper into all the different ways in which we've seen God's people encounter those right. tests and trials. Mm, for sure. um, because you're right, Aaron, as you said, like God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us in mm-hmm. the midst of that season, which makes us often susceptible. Like in the it's midst of my trials, for sure. I'm, that's when I am the most susceptible right. to... Yeah. Because when I'm the weakest, it's when right. I let my guard down, it's when yeah. I can't see, it's yeah. all of those things fact, factor in. But you just don't have the time to go through all this. And you're right, it's not always helpful just to share just because it's <laughs> yeah. in there. Here's a cool know? Greek word that you should yeah. know. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah.
0: I'll give you another one. Um, just the, the concept of nature of sin. Okay. So uh, again, we're in 21st century, yeah. James in a first century mindset. Yeah. There was a, um, a Hebrew debate Different rabbinical schools, rabbis are teaching on the nature of sin. Yeah. So if, if sin, where does sin come from? And, and kind of there were three Hebrew lines of thinking. Either the, the um, origin of sin comes from God mm-hmm. or it comes from Satan, the yeah. devil, or there's something in man that has done that. Yeah. And so James makes a very clear position. He takes what's called the yetzer position huh. in Hebrew. Yetzer means desire. It comes from our desire. So again, when we read the text uh, in verse 14, it says, but each person is being tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. He uses the word yetzer to talk about man is responsible. Mm. Now, he doesn't deny that the devil has influence on us. Like later in James, he's going to talk about Satan and his schemes. But he says, look, the the responsibility for sin lies squarely on you. Hmm. And so what that does, it doesn't get God off the hook, but it says, yes, God is Sovereign, yes, God is all knowing, and yet man is responsible. So those two things can live in tension. Um, A lot of times we want to say, "Well, if God is all knowing and all responsible, then He must be evil because sin exists in the world." It's like, "No, sin exists in the world because you exist in the world." Yeah, right. And so, uh, yeah, James takes that yetzer position and says, "Really, it's about your own desires." Interesting. That could be hard for us to hear sometimes. That's, I mean, and that's kind of, I guess,
1: partially sort of this point in James. But when we we hear something like that. for for us, it's kind of like okay. Well, how do I process through that? What does this mean for me? So, with a text like this, obviously, anytime we study the scriptures and go in depth, we, we're, we're hopeful that this is not just adding to our knowledge. Yeah. Like, and we joke about nerding out on stuff, and that's good, but we should be transformed in some way by the Word of yeah. God through practice. So. When we hear things like that, some of this biblical theology, systematic theology, some of the, the, the hefty and helpful truths of this section of scripture, how does that like flesh its way out in our lives? Does that make sense? So what kind of practical application for somebody that's listening to this and like, okay, I'm I'm hearing the um the different just kind of pieces and putting I'm putting all of this stuff, all the puzzle pieces
2: together in this text, but what do I do with that? I think part of it for me is like since Part of the thing you see in this text is like, since deception is so real, like it's so pervasive, and Mm. when I'm in the midst of a trial, that's when I'm most susceptible. Yeah. uh, That really there's this call to live a really thoughtful life. Right. Take into consideration the things that you maybe are, what what am I being deceived by? What are the things that I'm believing? Yeah. Um, in in the best place to go in order to kind of flesh those things out is the Word of God, is to look at the truths of Scripture to be able to help us see, and okay, where am I falling into this like kind of track of deception? Because I I think about my own life personally, it's like, it's in the midst of trials when I'm most likely to lash out or just Mm. have this quick response. And so I have to live a thoughtful life. I have to think about okay, w- this action, this thing just happened to me, yeah. how should I respond right. in light of that? W- what's my natural tendency, and what's the counterintuitive act that maybe God would be calling me into right. uh, in the in the midst of that, being aware of my uh, susceptibility, yeah. and then to respond? So you're bringing up but, something,
1: I, I just want to kind of dig into that for just a second, because... Y- obviously a lot of what we know in the Christian faith is like, okay, read your Bible. And even that's a, that becomes a lot of kind of the practical application at the end of a lot of sermons, because it's what we should be doing. God's given us the truth of his word to dig into, but there are different ways that we can do that. So in light of this text specifically, and I think you were kind of alluding to, but let's dig in even a little bit deeper on that. How is God calling us and James encouraging us to, uh, to study the scripture, like with what mindset, with what intentionality, maybe even certain kind of specific practices of how to do that as opposed to like, okay, I know I'm supposed to read my Bible, so I'll just kind of pick it up and open it. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. Because you're right. This, the application of this sermon was like, turn to the word of truth. Yeah. Like you're not mm. seeing the world clearly because your pain's right here. Mm-hmm. And so the way I talk about it is like, when you can't look up and look out and see the world clearly, look down and see God's word. Yeah. So mm. of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Right? Word of truth is shorthand for not, not just the, the scriptures, yeah. but the gospel, yeah. God's yeah. goodness mm. towards us in Christ, his revealed will in Christ. Mm. But we see the revealed will of Christ in the scriptures. So uh, yeah. good. going to answer your yeah. question, like how do we read the Bible well when you're in trial when you're in pain turn to God's word yeah. when you're anticipating trial and pain coming because it's yeah. not a matter of if it's a matter of when turn to God's word and be proactive in anticipating those trials coming and so uh, as far as you know how and like the the ways of doing that I mean I have practical ways that I study the scriptures. Yeah. So I wake up every morning and I read a Psalm and a New Testament uh, epistle, like a chapter from the New Testament yeah. or a chapter from the Old Testament. And so that's my rhythm of Psalms lead me to pray and to worship. Mm. And then uh, the New Testament, or Old Testament catches me up in God's storyline that he's telling mm. in the world. Wow. And that's I have this pretty systematic way of like, I'm just working through a text. And so it's yeah. not like, I'm like, man, I need something to hear from God. I'm going right. to find something I really want or, you know. Whoa. Um, you know, Russian roulette, the scriptures, yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but God brings me to the place like, Aaron, you need to hear this today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and God's just good in that way. And so. yeah, the Holy Spirit does those
1: kinds of things, right? Like when we just kind of sat out and we're like, well, I don't know what, what if I just read through a book, who knows what I'm going right. to come across, but you give the time and space for that and allow the Holy Spirit to
2: reveal things to you as needed right. in, in the times. Right. What would you say to that? I said two things. Uh, first, and I didn't, this is not mine. I believe I believe it's Timothy Keller who yeah. recently just passed away yeah. but um he 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 had this line that shaped the way that I read the scriptures yeah. he says you have to exegete the text but you also have to exegete your life mm. So you exegete, you pick apart and you uh, see what line by line, word by word, what do these things mean? How do What arguments are they making? Yeah. Like, I need to understand what this is saying. Right. But you also have to do that with your life. As you're reading the text, you also pick apart your life. Okay, I'm examining myself. And so I think one of the big problems I, I realize in my own life is how little I spend time thinking about just my day yeah. and what I've experienced and what's mm. happened to me and... Um, I think that's one of the ways we're susceptible. That's the one ways we struggle to seize because we don't have our eyes open. We kind of just, we're always consuming. We're always walking through stuff. So I think taking time coupled with the scriptures, Mm -hmm. okay, let me read this. Let me examine the text. And then let me also examine my life, my heart, what I've experienced and seen. That's that's super important because... I feel like one without the other is we become self-consumed. With our, if I'm right. only looking at myself, well, then there's no wisdom kind of seeping mm-hmm. into that. But if all I'm doing is looking at the text, well, okay, I might know a lot, but I don't really know how it applies to me yeah.
0: specifically.
1: Wow. That is great, super, super, super helpful. Can I add to that real quick? Yeah, you absolutely.
0: Said, talk about examine. There's a Saint Benedict that talks about uh, the prayer of examine. Like yeah. You kind of end your day by examining. Okay, what did the morning look like? What did the afternoon yeah. look mm-hmm. like? What did the evening look like? And you're thinking back through your day and seeing where you saw God move or seeing where you're susceptible to sin or you're just examining your day. That's a good way to finish the day. i yeah. say a good way to start the day for me is always coming to the scriptures. Yeah. And, and I I use this phrase, or it's not new to me, this is old, but Lectio Divina, this divine reading. So I'm not just coming to the scriptures, I'm coming to the scriptures in the presence of God. So I begin with prayer, acknowledging God's presence with me, and I'm asking God to illuminate the text, asking God to say to me what only he can say to my soul. And so it's not just, again, like reading, it's God, you're with me, say what you want to say to me. And Lectio Divina is a really helpful spiritual discipline to practice, just
1: from, again, getting into the scriptures, but also hearing from the presence. Yep. I've got, in fact, you wrote an article about mm-hmm. it that's on Clear Creek Resources, so you can yeah.
0: you subscribe below. Yeah, I, we'll don't it. <laughs> I don't know if it's down where we, we point it to. Yeah. But awesome, go to clearcreekresources.org. <laughs> you can
1: find it there. It's. It, it'll be there if you see it. We'll search link to it in the show notes. Do yeah. we still do that? I don't know. I don't know. We if should. We, if we can, we will. <laughs> <laughs> Making uh,
0: promises I can't keep. Yeah, exactly. Podcast.
1: No, that's super helpful. Yeah. So, okay. So kind of bringing this thing back, he, you mentioned Tim Keller earlier, and I think mm-hmm. one of the things that he did, does really well, did really well in his, in his life and ministry that we all have taken from, is that as he brings the scriptures to life, really at the end of it, you're, you just fall more in love with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So thinking through for you guys, s- studying this text with the heart to, yeah, exegete it, to kind of create and provide a helpful flow of thought for people to preach in such a way that people are moved to action to apply. But even for you, you know, a lot of times our hope we're thinking through it through the lens of like other people, but for yourself, as you've been studying this, what are ways the spirit kind of spoke to you, interacted with you that ultimately helped you fall in love with Jesus
0: even more? Yeah, that's really good, Uh, because I think the best preaching comes from uh, personal conviction. Like If I haven't lived it out, uh, then it's just not going to come across as authentic or helpful for people. And so, uh, yeah, so I helped helped write this text or this sermon, um, and then was going to preach on Wednesday night and then preach at East 96. And so Wednesday morning, I wake up, have my quiet time, my normal time with the Lord, Lectio Divina, I'm asking God, uh, God, say to me what you want to say to your people. I have written the text, I've written the sermon, but uh, God, change it. Say whatever you want to say. And so I woke up uh, and read Psalm 123 and John 8. So reading th- from my journal and Psalm 123. So again, think about the title of the sermon is yeah. seen clearly. Yeah. And I talk about this illustration of your eyes and your hands. So I come to Psalm 123 and says, To you, I lift up my eyes. Mm. O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master. Yeah. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God. And then in John 8, that was the New Testament text I was reading. says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, wow. and you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. That's amazing. And I'm calling people to look down and see God's word and his yeah. truth. And so, man, I just own that. It's like, yeah. it's solidified in me that this is how you apply this text. Like, you look to me for wisdom. You look to me for comfort. You look to me, uh, and I'll give you the word of truth. And so, uh, turn your eyes to the Don't Lord. Don't you
1: just feel like so loved by God in yes. those moments? Like, yes. geez, like, okay, you went, yes. You love me. This is for me. Yeah. You know?
0: There's another piece in this text where it's talking about, like, uh, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and coming down from the Father yeah. of Lights. And I, as soon as I read that, I was like, God, that's a good gift to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. That, that wow. is such a good gift. That's amazing. Me, you know?
2: What about you, Kyle? Uh, I think for me there's a couple things. So there's there's the broken side of me that, it, like— you know really this seri- We week one counted all joy. My brothers, I'm like, this is such a good truth. Like, yeah. I'm gonna have this perspective when I walk into my trials and my difficulties. Mm. And then I go home that week and I'm like, oh man, this oh, is hard, gosh, right? Yeah. Like, because th- there's part of me that um, wants to think of trial as these like really massive things that are gonna come throughout my life. Right. And then I'm like, oh, it's as simple as the disordered nature of my home, mm. like mm. that can be a trial in a sense that I respond. I don't remain steadfast yeah. that I respond. I choose the all, I choose death, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I go that route. And are you
1: talking about stepping on a Lego right <laughs> now? Is that what we're talking Potentially. About? It's one of the worst it might be part though. of it,
2: but yeah. I'm just, it's like these small moments where I realize it doesn't even have to be a big trial. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I quickly turn and head the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, when I'm sitting in that place and kind of feeling that level of defeat in my own soul, yeah. I'm also reminded, though, of looking to Jesus, like yeah. uh, Hebrews 12 was the text that God brought to my mind and heart this week as I was prepping for this sermon, was yeah. looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, faith. Yeah. who the joy that was set before him endured his suffering. Mm. Um, and so in the moments where I fail the test, and the moments when I falter in my test taking, uh, Jesus picks me up. He both gives me the motivation yeah. to walk in obedience, but he also picks me up in the midst of my own brokenness when I, when I, when I can't stand steadfast, when yeah. I'm struggling and suffering. So that was just a good reminder for me. Mm. It's like, uh, it's a call to obedience. It's a call to all these things, but it's also really a call to look to Jesus. Yeah. So. Wow.
1: Guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for your pastoral heart. Thank you for yeah. your care and time to put into the text in order to bring it to life for us. Grateful for both of you. Um, for those listening, dig into the book of James with us. Keep yeah. following along. We are excited to see how the Spirit continues to speak to us through His Word. Yeah, thanks for hanging out, guys. Thanks Absolutely. for having us. It's been fun. Cool. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Thanks so much for joining us today.